Welcome to The Party Pal, the mind-bending film and television podcast you didn't know you needed. I am one of your hosts, Michael Shields, here with film historian and part of the Welcome to the Party Pal team, Christian Needham. Christian, how are you doing today? Doing well, Michael. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween to you as well. Speaking of Halloween, um, in case any of this slipped past you, we did do a little 1980s horror breakdown the last couple episodes. Um, a two-parter. One, we focused on kind of what was so good about the, the films in the 80s, talked a lot about special effects and the directors. And in the second part, we dove into uh, some specific films, whether it's Poltergeist, Gremlins, just our, just our favorites, uh, really. And... Um, a lot of fun so anyone who might have missed that uh it is there waiting for you but today we are here to talk about a current film uh it is called kajillionaire it's the 2020 american crime comedy drama written and directed by miranda july uh the film stars evan rachel wood deborah winger gina rodriguez and the great richard jenkins it's uh it's about two con artists who um, they spent 26 years training their only daughter to swindle, scam, and steal. And during um, a desperate heist, they uh, they charm a stranger into joining them. And that kind of changes things and turns their whole world upside down. So um, this is this was a unique piece of art. What do you think of it, Christian? It really draws you in. It's got a really unique vibe, like a lot of like all of Miranda July's films, mm. and it really. Um, is unsettling and funny and the characters are um, memorable in really unique ways especially old dolio uh, evan rachel wood who's uh, the way she carries herself is really um, kind of almost hypnotic to watch to watch it play out because it's so strange it's so kind of unusual but it's um, thanks to july's direction and the um the editing and the music, it just kind of carries you along in this this world. Uh, and to the point where by the end of the film, every time they these characters, these hypersensitive characters are you know, reacting to even the smallest tremor. 
you you're um, you kind of feel it yourself. So it's it's a really well done piece, and um, but man, it is it is weird in a great way. Yeah, it's completely different, and I mean that is exactly what you would expect from uh, Miranda July. She's most well known for Me, You, and Everyone We Know. That's in two thousand five. That's that 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 was a captivating film. I remember watching that um, back in the day. I I I have to admit I have not seen The Future. That's uh, her two thousand eleven film about a couple's journey to get a cat, and I think the cat actually becomes a narrator. Have you seen that, Christian? I have not, but I, you, yeah. you sold me. Oh, absolutely. And just this film sold me. And it just, I went back and I was thinking about how much I enjoyed Me, You, and Everyone um, We Know. And I'm, now I'm just so captivated by Miranda um, Holy. Um, I've heard really good things about her books. Uh, one is called No One Belongs Here More Than You, and the other is It Chooses You. She's such a, a, a captivating um, artist in that she really focuses on kind of the oddities, the, those that live uh, uh, their lives on the, the outskirts of, of society. And I just, I always have a good time when, um, when that's the case, when they're exploring the, the people that are different. I, you know, I think anyone who has fashioned themselves as being different or at some time or another in their lives, you know, enjoys seeing that and, 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 and you know, makes you understand that there's be- beauty in our differences and we're allowed to be different. And so, so it's, it's it's I'm, I'm you know as excited as I am to spread the word about this film. I'm excited to keep keep my eye on Miranda a little bit. Yeah, she one one of the things that she's done really well in the two films that I've seen uh, of hers is Quiet Desperation and the idea of well of exploring it in different ways. Um, there's a great scene in this this film where the family, um, Old Dolio's family, uh, Robert and Teresa. Her, her parents and this new accomplice, Melanie, go to one of Melanie's um, old patient, older clients. I guess she works. So I guess Melanie works at a as an assistant at an optical business. So it's um, that's how they pick. She tries to help this family pick out marks, and it's this guy who's dying in his bedroom and just wants to hear the sounds of a real family again in his house just uh, doing doing things like clinking silverware or t- having conversations and um, you know and so without really expecting to they spend the the last moments of this guy they share the last moments of this guy's life with him and I thought that was really a, an interesting interesting scene to see their various reactions to that when their initial their initial motivation was to rip him off mm-hmm. Um the the other thing too is the the kind of burgeoning realization of uh, old Dolio's um, existence, or not just, and it's not just you know uh, individuality or sexuality, but but in actual engagement with the world after mm-hmm. being raised not to want to engage with modern society beyond kind of skimming off of it, you know, and. It's it's interesting that that seems to be a re- recurring theme throughout this film is just the 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 quiet the quietly spoken not even the unspoken but the quietly spoken um, yearning for uh, for more from life yeah. uh, despite this despite this desperate existence that this family lives absolutely we got to see um, 
Old Dolio. Uh, what a what a wild name. I, I got a story on how that came to be in a moment. But uh, she, it, I mean, obviously there's there's so much trauma and so much she uh, void in her life growing up, and that void was was love and affection. Um, and we got to see through this the the way they told this uh, uh, story how she saw you know it, it was basically because her parents the way she treated um melanie which is gina rodriguez's character um the stranger in this case um how they treated her different and she began to realize that she might might need to you know that she deserved to be treated in a certain way that she might deserve love and you just as we're going through this and what a performance by evan rachel wood it's such a nuanced just weird um performance but her eyes were open to to you know this this deserving thing that was that that she she did deserve and i just i I think that's beautiful and um it 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 was it's funny but you did mention that um that scene with the the dying mark um you know that, that there was a lot of humanity in that as well and 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 his loss and what he wanted there too but i also i thought a little deeper because these kind of these grifter movies and these scam con artist movies it's a lot of fun just to watch how they do it and how they um, devise their plans and pull it off but in that case and in, in consideration of some of the other um scams they did in this this film you can't help but thinking about that there are other people on the sides of this that that it's you know it there's other people being hurt by these things and you know i thought there was a lot of depth in in that being pointed out subtly as well. Yeah, I was the, the thing that that really in, uh, occurred to me while watching the films, uh, watching Old Dolio's kind of relationship with her parents and the explanation for their denial of affection was that she, she's kind of lived a, a Skinner box existence of a childhood, mm-hmm. where for those who don't know, it's this kind of experiment. If you put a baby and you uh, in a in a <laughs> in a box, I guess, and, and denied it all love and affection or, or human, um, human interaction, what, what would that, um, the, what would the result be? And it's kind of the, you know, in old Dolio's case, that's a resistance to things like even being touched or, mm-hmm. you know, exposing too much of her skin, wearing, you know, these baggy clothing or the way she talks is very monotone kind of, um, intense withdrawn, um, approach to approach to going through life and it's her parents uh, uh, her father tells her recur um, again and again that you know they've dealt with her as one in their view would you know honestly or as an adult instead of uh, romanticizing anything um, in their view the, uh, I mean, that is certainly exemplified by the fact, um, and this is telling to the whole thing, that they split everything three ways. Yeah, and how she, and, and when, yeah, when old Dolio's confronted by Melanie about, you know, why she thinks of the, uh, of her parents as her parents, the best she can come up with is that even split is this, yep. you know, the way that's the, the strongest part of their dynamic. There's yep. no, there's no affection or, or love or, or f- uh, familial relationship there. I think and you boiled it down perfectly to that line when she's asked about a family dynamic. That was her answer, and it just—it's really telling to to the way they decided to treat her in life, and that's that's very that's very sad. 
That's very it's 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 troubling to think about that. And I, I love your description, and I actually hadn't ter- heard that term before. That was that was that was that was great to hear. Yeah, and on the other side of it too is that when it comes to being essentially a low level grifter, they've kind of honed her into a weapon almost. The yeah. way she moves well when when she's on the job is the way she can contort herself and jump mm-hmm. around and mm-hmm. and um, you know the the opening scene. That's also in the trailer is is her uh, getting hold of a the family getting hold of a, a mailbox key mm-hmm. and they go to the mailbox and it's up to old Dolio to reach through to time it so that no one on the other side of the box any male employees can see her reaching through and stealing mail from the um, neighboring boxes mm-hmm. that they can then uh, live off of but. Yeah, I like that idea of her as a weapon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And involved in that is yeah. is the idea of surveillance. That's an, another underlying mm. thing in this film is is the rise of you know how their lifestyle is more and more being intruded upon and foiled by cameras. Yep. So it's it, absolutely it's interesting that you know uh, there's a scene where um, Old Dolio and Melanie are going uh, shopping, going uh, grocery shopping, and even though it's a moment where it's a rare moment where she's not breaking the law. Um, she's so, um, she's so tuned up that she notices every single camera in the supermarket because her dad has uh, again and again drilled into her that, you know, once, once you're in your face is on record, you know, they've got <laughs> you this. And, and yet mm-hmm. she's the one that, that her parents send into those dan- those situations where if things go mm-hmm. badly, if someone ends up ends up being on a camera or ends up being recorded, it's going to it's be her. their their daughter. So yeah, yeah, it's it's this real desperate kind of situation, and yeah. the transition from that essentially from that weapon to be being a regular kid or or not a mm-hmm. kid, but but a you know a a fun loving person. Um, mm-hmm. Is always is always uh, now like forever tinged by that. So there's a moment where Old Dolio's is is dancing. Melanie's playing music and she's mm-hmm. finally breaking loose and dancing. But all of her dance moves are just are the same moves she uses when she's trying to dodge cameras. <laughs> so it's her it's yep. her hitting the floor and the, and popping up and jumping to a side and, and it's mm-hmm. really it's now. You know, at age twenty-six, it's the formative years have are past, and now that's that's what she built is. In. Yeah, it's built yeah. in now. You mentioned the contortion, and even just there with the jumping. Um, you know, we we're, we're discussing the melancholy, and it is there's so much sadness in it, and and some of that sadness is bittersweet, and some of it ends up being quite beautiful. Um, but it's hilarious too. The film is really really funny, and a lot has to do with that contortion but besides that i mean the idea of the soap um coming into their their office uh home is is visually stunning but also really funny the obviously you just mentioned it the um the way she enters the post office with the with the jumping and the bobbing and weaving the sensitive landlord um that they have who's kind of you know you think of landlords and and kind of they have to be hard or um, you know, not like this. He was, he was, he, it was upsetting to him to have to ask for money, which is, is here. And just the, the physical contortions of all of them, they all had their own unique, um, 
obviously just it also defining of character, but they all had their way, the way they moved through the world was very different and unique. And it, there's, there's a lot to laugh at here too, which is wonderful. It's a, it's a complex film all around. Yeah. And I, to that, to that end, I was trying to figure out when the mother Teresa is walking around. I don't know if she has like, if the way she's walking, it's supposed to be that like one lamp. foot is one leg is shorter than the other. Yeah. Or that it's flat-footed or something like that. But even that mm-hmm. has, like, a really unique thing. And also, the fact that it was Deborah Winger, which is, like, I can't remember the last yeah. time I saw Deborah Winger in a in a film that I would talk about on a podcast. So that's Absolutely. That's she's, done, she's done some television here and there recently. But, um, yeah, no, it was great to see her. Really wonderful. The cast is fantastic. I'm a... I'm just a huge Richard Jenkins fan um, from Six Feet Under. He was the father in that. I loved him in The Visitor, which was kind of a, a big breakout um, role for him. Uh, you know, he's, he crushes in HBO's, um, what is it, uh, Olive um, Kitteridge. And then uh, what else was the, uh, The Shape of Water, of course. I just, I, I, I think he's so great. And he's, he's, He's got some other roles, stepbrothers, and just he's he's oh, when anytime he's in the mix, he does such a great job. Deborah, of course, Evan, um, Evan Rachel Wood, what a unique role um, in this, and and Gina Rodriguez is great. Gina, Gina's starting to be in a lot of films, which is good. I, I, Annihilation was one recently. She's uh, also Gina on Big Mouth. I, I love Big Mouth. So mentioning that, but um, her role was really, it, I mean, that's when the movie kind of broke open in a different way, and, you know, a lot of the heart was infused there, but it was fun to watch her, just a bubbly, kind of, you know, happy, just, you know, more relatable type person that they come upon, and, um, and it was fun to see her be uh, absorbed by this, or, or, or drawn to it, because, you know, from the outside looking in, it is a strange... Uh, world that she was stepping into but I mean people do want to be a part of something bigger or in this case something exciting you know and sometimes your life can be so monotonous or the same old and when something comes your way and you're like wow you guys do that I want to be a part of it and and it changed the whole dynamic and and kind of opened up the film right there yeah and that's the other thing too I think is is the the role of of the clash of generations um, in in the modern world, and the idea that um, these parents are from kind of it's kind of implied uh, the the hippie generation that you yeah. know transition from kind of a um, a free love uh, open culture open road uh, approach to life, and then I assuming there's the story they tell at the dinner table is true, made an attempt to essentially quote unquote go straight by uh, creating a, a book of coupons, which mm-hmm. blows their daughter's mind that they that after years and years of essentially being being preached to that the only way to live is essentially off the grid, mm-hmm. that, that her own parents had had made a go of it, didn't work out, so now they're they're going back to what they did in perpetuity. It's almost like being yeah. in a cult. And and yes. and, yep. and old Dolio like is these these things like in fact that's one of the core things one of the core parts of the of the um the plot is that uh she's kind of held in thrall by her her both her and i think to a certain degree her mother by their father's mm-hmm. insistence that the big one this big earthquake is gonna is gonna come and it's gonna shake up yeah. society and the only ones who are gonna make it out on the other side are people like them and when the big yep. one is hit and they're all still there and life goes on 
well then there's no there's no like that 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 grip has loosened and yeah, that's something that chain that's holding her there has loosened things. It, it, it's freedom. It's freedom after that. You're right. That's a great, important thing to point out. That was that was part of what kind of kept her and and I believe too the mother in that dynamic. And it's 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 very controlling to think of that in that way. And whether he was doing it um, benevolently or maliciously, it's I'm I'm not sure. But that that that's a great great point. Underlying so much of this, um, you, you know, the, that, and it, this was a huge surprise to me, this idea that there was a surprising love story that, that came of it. And, and I, I actually found it really, really affecting. This was probably the most moving part of, of the whole thing to me, just because Melanie saw old Dolio uh, or, you know, allowed old Dolio to be seen as a person to be to be enjoyed for who she is and 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 you know that was just I thought that was gorgeous and those two you know kind of came together towards the end and and there was something uh, uh not only you know wonderful about seeing her break out uh, kind of free from the family but also be able to be seen as someone worthy of love and then receiving that love I thought that was pretty moving yeah and that's Again, for the from the films that I've watched of, of July's, that seems to be a recurring theme. I mean, most, whether you call it famously or infamously, in me and you and everyone you know, with the little kid and the sex pervert, yep. uh, <laughs> who first meet on uh, in a chat room talking about the uh, back and forth forever and ever. I'll leave it at that in terms of what they're talking about. But yep. they then essentially at the uh, to be able to pull off a moment at the end of that film where they meet on a park bench and it's kind of that it's a, actually a touching moment was it's kind of it's kind of like watching a, an emotional an emotional uh, kind of uh, puppeteer at work. Uh, the July does that very well in her writing and and how you uh, find sympathy for people in the strangest places. Um, that's in more to the extreme ends. And I think when you've hit those extremes, something like, like old Dolio's, uh, burgeoning, burgeoning romance is, is, is pretty tame. And in, especially in this cultural moment, um, with Melanie, uh, is, is something that's, uh, not, it's not shocking. It's not, it's, it's more to the point of, because here's the thing. It's like, Odolio is is kind of asexual. There's no there's a great there's a great moment on on the this plane this plane ride where they're they one of their their early um, scams the family scams is that they're going to go to New York as a family and then immediately take the plane back and having bought uh, travelers insurance for their luggage will claim that one of their bags has gone missing and then when they get the $1,500 back from that, that's what they'll use to pay the rent, you know, this desperate situation. But a conversation happens on the plane where it becomes very apparent that Odolio has no idea how one would even become pregnant when she's asked if that's mm-hmm. something. And and that she has, you know, so sheltered, so from, forget sex, gender, and the idea of of expectations and how you connect with with another human, regardless of how that is, and uh, you know, the, especially early on, which is uh, when when Old Dolio getting a massage is a unique sight 
because nothing <laughs> it essentially becomes you know a chakra massage where it's you know you can't can't physically touch but you know something it's more about the experience of of uh letting someone um of showing some sort of vulnerability and yeah. uh, that that yeah, was really she interesting. has not been shown uh, uh physical affection in her life and it, when you when you think about that it's 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 pretty pretty depressing uh i teased it earlier um uh, she did at the Sundance um, Film Festival, where where this uh, premiered, uh, in a Q and A, she she revealed where the name Old Dolio came where came from, and true to uh, Mar- um, Miranda July's um, uniqueness, it actually is the name of one of the kittens. Stay with me here. One of the kittens she and her husband birthed in one of their friends' dreams. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. I think that's great. And, and, and I just, uh, and I'll say that once again. It's the name of one of the kittens she and her husband birthed and one of her friends. It actually took me uh, a couple reads to, like, oh, okay, I get that. Um, her husband is Mike Mills, who's a great filmmaker. What a, what a talented, artistic uh, couple that is. He, um, he did Beginners. That was a great one. Um, Thumbsucker, he's really known for. I just, I recently saw he did um, uh, the uh, the recent film with the National, the band, the National, a short film on their last album, a self premiere. That's wonderful, deeply affecting. He's he's what a what a incredibly talented couple that is. Um, you, you know what? This film felt a little bit to me um, timely too, and just I, I just I know a lot of people are uh, uh, you know facing some economic hardships and wondering what to do and I just saw I see this family and I can't help but think about the family in Parasite too yeah scraping to get by and it's you know doing what it takes um you know even though there's hurt on the other side of it just doing what it takes to get by and you know I couldn't help but think about what what that could mean to a lot of people uh now or you know depending on how things go moving forward but when you speak of that when you speak of um you know films about um People, scam artists and, 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 you know, con artists and grifters. Um, something that I know you want to bring up. And it's a film that, that, that there's a parallel here. And it's a 1990 film uh, called The Grifters. Um, and so you, you want to bring that up today, didn't you? Yeah, it's a stream, Stephen Frears film from 1990 uh, produced yep. by uh, Martin Scorsese, who actually does the opening narration to the film. It's based on uh, a book by Jim Thompson. Uh, an Oklahoma kind of pulp fiction writer from the 50s and 60s whose who's works have been adapted a couple of times. Um, it's very kind of hard-bitten. Uh, the best way to describe it, I guess, would be a crime thriller um, and starring John Cusack, Angelica Houston, and, and Annette Bening. Um, but the key dynamic in the film is the, is the two con artists, um, the mother and the mother and son dynamic uh, between Lily Dillon and Roy Dillon, um, and in this case, this is it's it's an interesting film because it takes place in essentially what was then the not the modern day circa 1990, but it feels like this this pulp fiction universe of the 50s has been kind of draped over it. So it's this meld of of uh, tones that comes with it, and especially in the way that these people talk. And the scams that they run, and and even in, in cases how they dress and how they spend their time and stuff, it's really um, it's really 
uh, evocative and it's really immersive in that and it also shows you the the timelessness of of the the con game and you know the the idea specifically the differences between how you run long cons and short cons and stuff and one of the interesting uh notes about it again and the key one is the dynamic of what this lifestyle does to a child growing up within it and in this case John Cusack's Roy Dillon is 25 at this point and left home when he was 17. Um, his mother had him when he was 14, when she was 14, um, and has been a lifelong, um, not just con artist, but has worked for the mafia, um, doing things like ensuring that um, race racetrack bets don't get too out of whack so that if people, nobody ends up winning a long shot, that'll um, cost the... Uh, the mafia powers that control these certain track bets uh, more money than than it, than is absolutely necessary, um, but at the same time, turns out she's ripping off the people, her employers and stuff, and and such, and running her own schemes. Um, Cusack early on in, in the opening of the film, as he's left as a seventeen-year-old who's had a, as you find out later, has had enough of. Uh, essentially being a team with his mother where she where at times he plays her little brother on on um, in con schemes um, finds a guy who uh, basically to take him under his wing as a uh, a short con game and, and everything from card tricks to dice to something as as simple as going to a bar and fooling a bartender into giving you change for the wrong large bill things like this that are that you know again scraping a living and dangerous but something that he's told early on the difference between the long con game and the short con game is long con when things go bad you do serious time and he tells him never do serious time don't go to jail the worst if you're doing short time things supposedly are are less you can talk your way out of easier supposedly uh, but as as uh, roy finds out that's not necessarily true. When one of this one of his small time schemes goes bad, uh, he gets beat um, physically and, and gets internal um, internal damage, which kind of throws the the plot into motion with uh, the dynamic of his girlfriend uh, Myra, Annette Benning, um, coming into conflict with his mother, who's um, coming to visit him. And the the thing about the the dynamic between these these people is that you know I look at. I look at Cajillionaire and I look at old Dolio, who's again plays twenty six. So it's a, they're, they're, her and Roy are similar ages. After watching these films back to back, it's, you know what happens if Roy doesn't leave his mother? What if happens if he's as if all he ever knows is that dynamic? And that was something that was really interesting to think about the idea of case study right there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. If anyone is um, is still with us, that. Uh, hasn't seen the grifters i would just like to urge you to to get on it right away it's it's revisiting it i hadn't seen it since the 90s um just remind it how good of a film it is it's it and it holds up it's uh it is it is a jim thompson book as you wrote it's funny i was um bruce springsteen's kind of doing the rounds um supporting his new uh album letter to you and doc um and he's doing a lot of interviews and i've heard him mention multiple times now that kind of um you know pulp uh, crime uh, books of of you know from 
DeJour uh, really inspired a lot of his writing, and he mentions Jim Thompson yeah. multiple times. Specifically, and noting that, uh, specifically The Getaway. On. The Getaway was a big one. Yep, yeah. sure, huge. Absolutely, and uh, I, I mean, Frears is a, he's a great filmmaker too, and it's it's you know he did High High Fidelity and Dangerous Liaisons, which which did well there. I'd like to also note that he did uh, recently. He's the director of a very English scandal, which I really really enjoyed. Um, but it's a real stylized film. It's fun. It's got a it's got a it's got a dark dark ending, but it's a captivating ending. Um, and it did so well. It was it was it was a film that really resonated. It won the best film at the Independent Spirit Awards. It's it's considered a classic, and it deserves to be. And it just it's I'd really you know like to drive that home that this is something I think many many people would enjoy. Um, and just watching some of these capers, I'm glad you mentioned that 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 bartender twenty dollar trick was maybe my favorite trick in the in the whole in the whole film. But yeah, you're right; it's really unique case study to um, compare these films and and kind of think about you know what what it would be like to be in a family like this, or you know, and and also you know, kind of coming back to it like uh, like Kuzak's character did. Yeah, and in this case, you know, it's. Both both families, uh, in both these films, are living very desperate existences. No matter, despite whatever facade they're throwing up, it, it's way more stark that that reality in 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 the Grifters, where you know they. I'll give an example is Myra, who is this ultra confident, sexy young young woman who can't pay her rent, and it, there's a mem. A memorable scene where her landlord, she gives her landlord the the choice of of her of having a free go at her, or the rent money, and it's it's interesting just the, that whole idea of of what you see and what's really going on, and for for my money, the, again like for those those people who watch a lot of of great eighties and nineties um, thrillers and and crime movies, there's the, the a, guy, a character actor from that time, this guy J.T. Walsh, is kind of known as like the ultimate that guy from those films. If, you, if you've seen him, you know who he is. And unfortunately, he tragically passed um, uh, rather earlier, early in life. Um, he's about, been dead about 20 years now. But um, he plays her former, uh, Myra's former partner, Cole, in, in a really interesting um, flashback sequence uh, where, where you see... Um, the real stark divide between the presentation of this this guy who's the this really ultra confident operator who can rip off you know new money oil men for hundreds of thousands of dollars, but um, when t- when the scheme is not happening and times are slow, his mental illness um, kind of eats him up, and it, to the point where he's you know. Uh, it, it, we find out he's been um, kind of sent away to uh, a mental asylum because he can't he can't deal with the world as it is, and that's the the underlying suggestion in both these films of mental illness kind of um, rip bear the and, and counter whatever romanticism you might have about this lifestyle of being a rugged individualist. It's not. It's desperation day in and day out to make your you know to to make that money um and then when you have it you don't know what to do with it it's like a dog chasing a chasing the car uh what happens when you get that wheel um to quote heath ledger 
You know, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right, though. And I think I think that's important. You know, some of these, um, you know, uh, ideas of being that type of person where you're, you know, kind of chasing the money around. It's it, it could look it could be romanticized. And, and that is it's laid bare in both these cases. I mean, in, you know, two, two extremes in both in, in both instances. I mean, you know, living in an office park where you have to clean bubbles coming through your wall every day is pretty, pretty distressing scenario. And same same as with sleeping with your landlord to, to not have to pay rent. You know, they're both they're both uh, not not really, really where you want to be. But one more thing to that, which is uh, Pat Hingle's character, Bobo. Um, again, this is like a decade before The Sopranos, but again, it was interesting to me, you know, the fact that this was essentially originally going to be a, a Scorsese project um, yeah, coming was. off, and it was released the same year as Goodfellas. He is not a romanticized uh, mafioso. Um, in a very short uh, amount of time, you uh, screen time, you see the brutality of of someone like him and how he holds uh, Lily in 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 control through sheer brutality and mind games and threatens her you know in a scene as as written the thompson's original writing of of their interaction is only suggested at in the final cut of the film which is that in thompson's book he he beats lily with a a sack of oranges to a brutal degree and it was something that was yeah, a, it was just mentioned it was in the script and it was in the shooting yep. script and it was mm-hmm. changed because it was too, and that's something again for anyone that's that's read Thompson's work is even in as he was writing the, these in the 50s and 60s um, it's it's something that that will be for readers now will be very contentious um, his relationship with how his protagonists his his amoral protagonists relationships with women both someone, uh, a character like Bobo, but also it, if anyone saw a film a couple of years ago, The Killer Inside Me, with Casey Affleck, which is, again, an undercurrent of that, is this this extremely amoral um, Oklahoma sheriff um, and his, his brutal uh, relationship with women, women hating. And the idea that, you know, as a writer and as a character creator, how much of that, you know, something that forever after that, that Thompson had to deal with were people asking him about his own feelings based on these characters too. And I think that's more, it's, it's, it's something that it, I was thinking watching that character because it gives on one hand, having a character, having that, that relationship between Bobo and Lily needs to be in this film, I think, because you have to have the brutal repercussions of, of this lifestyle and it has to be. You have to see what Lily has done. And in fact, there's there's this the anecdote of Freer's trying to convince Donald Westlake to write this film. He it was of of two minds about that about whether or not he wanted to adapt the film because of, the, of Thompson's brutal um, narrative in in places on this. And what finally won him over was saying this is really the story of Lily Dillon's survival. And I won't ruin the last scene of the film, but it is a it is a confrontation about the lengths that Lily will do in her relationship with Roy yep. to survive. Yeah, despite it yeah. all. Yeah, and I mean things um, in this world they 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 tend to not end well, and I I think that bodes well to truth and and reality. I got to tell you personally, it was a lot of fun to spend uh, 
time again with um, 1990s, uh, early 90s, John uh, Kuzak. I just went through a run of um, Utopia on Amazon Prime. John's great in that. It was really good to see him get a role that he could really sink his teeth into in that way. So it was fun after experiencing him 30 years later, still yeah. killing it, still still really I, I doing it and then going back. I wasn't thinking of John Cusack when I watched him as Roy, and that was a good thing. Yeah, that's cool. That That is, he. It, it, it's not your typical John Cusack. He, he, he adds a nuance and also just the way he fits in the film. That's I, I agree. I didn't have that same feel, but it was so fun uh, revisiting Grifters, and it was so fun really – you know, getting into uh, Miranda July's world um, again. I mean, it's 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 so unique what she does. It's I mean, it's really it's one of the most original films I've seen in a while. Um, it, but also, I'd like to say this: it's also it's I'd, it's easily her most accessible yet, and it's something where someone who you know wants to try out her work and, and get into her world. This is it. You know, a lot of actors you're familiar with and. And some um, moments that are relatable, um, you know, to, to anyone who's who's a human, yeah, you know, yearning for love in this world. And I think we can all relate to that. It's it's about love. It's um it's it's melancholy, but it's but it's ultimately really really sweet. And and I really enjoyed it. Do you have any um, closing thoughts on on Kajillionaire? Yeah, just to kind of bring it back full circle. Yeah, full circle. I th- I think I yeah. agree with you on the accessibility of the film. Um, on yeah. the on the really um, unique look at at a desperate family dynamic and uh, a coming of age story, which, especially in the modern film, uh, the modern sorry, the modern world, what when is the more and more what is now Gen Z generation people are wondering what's the appropriate time to quote unquote come of age in terms of of le- say leaving home, leaving the shelter of parents. Especially in a desperate economy where it's harder and harder to leave earlier and earlier to go on one's own, to be able to pay one's own way. Um, and the idea of this growing, you know, uh, this growing um, commonality of of generations across the world of, of this generation of living at home. But what's what's the impact of of this close relationship with one's parents um, into one's 20s and 30s uh for a lot of people that could be a very positive thing but i think one thing what i did watching this was the idea of the the need for independence and and flying on one's own and and um especially for someone like uh that story being told like a free spirit like july and as someone who's you know really has a keen eye for uh not just the not just the emotions and desperations of people, but the idea of the fact that this is told from the perspective of, some, of someone who's not necessarily identifying as a man or a woman, but simply as on a human level. I think that's something that's that's really um, really makes it a, a great story and um, and something that's again the the economics and uh, of the story is is for better or worse, perfectly timed. So I, I highly yeah. recommend it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it, you just mentioning all that and, and kind of bringing up the, the, the idea of, you know, when just, well, what, what you just said makes me think of just how many layers there are here and just how many things, I mean, think of all the thoughts that came to our mind um, that this film invoked. There's a lot to it. And it, it's definitely, it's definitely something that, that was 
worthy to take in and worthy to speak uh, uh, about right here. So, Christian, thank you for your time and for uh, discussing this film with us here today. Hey, thanks, Michael. Looking forward to doing it again real soon. Absolutely. We'll, we'll be back at it before we know it. And uh, thank you, everybody out there, for once again joining the party. Hi, Mr. Lonely. I wish that I could.